Well, that is a beautiful song. I love that song. Tonight, we're talking about, again, finding God in the lyrics. We keep going with this because you keep being interested in it, or at least you say you are. And so tonight, we're going to keep doing this one more time, at least. And tonight, the song that we are going to do, if you have already seen in the bulletin, you know. If not, it'll be a surprise to you. But it is right in my wheelhouse because it is We Are the World. It may be a little bit cheesy to some of you, but... It came out right in the middle of the 80s, right when I was a teenager, and I remember with this song, can you see it there kind of? It's a little bit light, isn't it? I remember this song was popular when I was a senior in high school. And in small towns, I don't know if this is the way it is in big, in big church, in big uh, schools, but in small towns, you have a school, you have a class song that you sing. And so the whole graduating class chooses a song, and then you sing it. And you have already guessed that, that the 1985 Canadian High School, Canadian Wildcats, we got up and sang We Are the World. So we didn't go into parts. Nobody was Stevie Wonder or Ray Charles or Kenny Rogers, but we sang this song. And boys, I listened to it. Barbara and I listened, on the, I listened to it several times during the week, but we listened to it on the way in tonight. And I said, okay, you're just going to have to add another song to my funeral because we got to have that one too. There are so many. She said, we've got to have a list because your list is really long. I said, I know. This morning we were talking about, you know, how will we be remembered when we die and different things people might remember of me. One thing they'll say is David has never heard a song on the radio that he couldn't try to make a sermon out of because uh, they all seem to have sermons in them. But tonight we're thinking about this one, We Are the World, because it honestly is, while there may be some cheesiness to it there is some power in it you remember the reason the song was recorded was because of famine in africa and it was the idea that, that folks could raise money and awareness and help with the famine that was going on in africa so here are the words and the first the first line got cut off unfortunately but it's there comes a time when we heed a certain call when the world must come together as one there are people dying, and oh, it's time to lend a hand to life. The greatest gift of all. We can't go on pretending day by day that someone somewhere soon make a change. We're all a part of God's great big family. And the truth, you know, is love is all we need. We are the world. I'm, I'm not going to say sing it with me, but it, it's about to come out. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones to make a brighter day, so let's start giving. There's a choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. It's true. We'll make a better day, just you and me. Oh, send them your heart so that they know that someone cares and their lives will be stronger and free. As God has shown us by turning stones to bread, and so we must all lend a helping hand. We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones to make a brighter day. So let's start giving. Well, there's a choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. It's true we'll make a better day, just you and me. When you're down and out, there seems to be no hope at all. But if you just believe, there's no way we can fall. And then, well, 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 we just really realize, oh, that a change can only come when we stand together as one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you, I don't know about you, but when I see our, the world and then I think about the country and I even think about our brotherhood, I don't mean this congregation, this congregation's united, but I mean even when I see our religious world, 
I just wish we could go back to a time when it seemed like there was some unity. Well, I just hate it. That really the, what sells today is finding a way to be angry with someone else. It seems like that's all that you see on TV. It's all you hear on the radio. It's all you hear on podcasts is how can we find a way to disagree? And the point was way back in 1984, 85, when this song came out, was a way that somehow we would be united so that we would do something important and significant together. And so we have that call, certainly, I believe, as human beings, and we have that call as citizens of the United States, but it's much more than that. When we're we're Christians, you see, we are the ones to make a better day. And I'm talking about specifically at Memorial Church of Christ, we are the ones to make a better day. This is not something that we can put off on someone else and say, I sure wish the government would make a better day. We can't say, I wish this president or that president or this Congress or that Congress or somebody else. Boy, it'd be great if they did those things. But when it comes down to it, it is an individual responsibility of every Christian to make the world a better place than what it is from what we see it. That's our calling. That's what we're called to do. We have responsibility. But, oh, it's so easy to push off on someone else. Because if I can push the responsibility to make the world a better place onto, onto Congress or onto China or someone else, then I don't have to do anything but just set my lazy boy. Incidentally, I don't have one, but I wouldn't mind one. So I, won't have, I don't have to do anything except I believe in Jesus and I'm baptized into Christ. And so therefore, because of those things, I have a calling that I was called to make the world different than what it is. But... When Christians do nothing, the world gets worse. The world doesn't get better when we do nothing but sit around and complain or stay in our little buildings and and don't get out. The world just gets worse than what it was before. And we all know, because you've heard sermons like this or done your own studies, that so many great things happen through people in the name of Jesus who were trying to help others, like So many hospitals that have been built and started and so many things that now that have lost their way and have become very secular, but at one time were all intended for a Christian purpose. That idea that whenever Christians work together and when Christians say that we can do something, then the world gets better. But instead, somewhere along the way, it seems like many Christians have said, nope, I'm not going to do anything. It's out of control. But we are expected by God to make the world better. We are expected. It is not a suggestion of God. It is not a suggestion of Jesus. It is an expectation of God and of his son Jesus that we will do better than what others have done. You know, for example, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and verse 19. Many of you have memorized this and and I remember memorizing this and getting an ice cream cone for it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you remember it says, and he says, and I will be with you always, even until the end of the age or the end of the the earth. It's the idea that we were expected to go and make disciples. We were expected to go, whether that means to cross the sea or just to stay at home, there's an expectation that comes. Romans 10, 14, and 15 says the same 
similar thing. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? You know, when we were missionaries in Brazil and we'd be back on furloughs and I would get up and preach in different supporting congregations, there would always be a few people that would come up and apologize for not being missionaries. I should have been a missionary. You know, I should have gone to wherever it would be. I should have gone to Uganda. I should have gone to Argentina. I should have gone to Japan, wherever it is. And they'd always apologize. And I'd always say, well, that would be great if you were, if you were called to to do that, that would be fantastic. But that's not all that's involved in spreading the gospel. There are also those who send. And so it's about those who go and those who send, and actually it takes more to send than it does to go. It's everybody working together to make those things happen, that we all work toward that. And so that idea of making the world a better place sometimes happens through our contributions financially, but it also happens by by other things that we do which is exactly how the world changes by what we do. I don't think there's anything worse than a bunch of Christians that don't do anything. Maybe they get together in their little buildings and they worship, but they don't change the world. They are pretending to be Christians. Because sometimes we judge if someone's a Christian by their doctrine, and we'll judge if a person's a Christian, and we'll we'll say, well, do they believe in baptism? Do they take the Lord's Supper every week? You know, maybe we say, what what about their music? We may have these other questions. What if, are they Christians? And then we judge them by that. But understand, that's not the whole story as to what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is someone who does. A Christian is someone who is out making disciples or helping disciples, not those who just stay in their buildings and go home and forget about it until next Sunday, 10 minutes before the service starts. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, the apostle Paul said, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So therefore, if I am not doing good works, I am not doing what God had planned for me to do. If I'm not doing good works, I'm not doing what God called me to be. I may profess to be a Christian. I may somehow be a Christian in one sense of the word, but certainly not fulfilling what God intended. Now, there are different ways to do good works. We understand that. It's not that we all have to do the same thing. It's not that we all go and pass out flyers or we all sit down and have Bible studies. That can be it. But there are so many ways to do good works. And Paul said, you think about what those are. This morning we talked about what it was like with Tabitha or Dorcas who made clothes and gave to the poor and helped others. There are ways to do that. You see, we change the world by the way we live. It's by the way we live. It's what other people see. It's what the neighbors see and what others see. First Timothy, or excuse me, First Peter 2, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. There is an intent that we will be doing good deeds, that other people will actually see our good deeds. You remember what the, sometimes because of 
humility and ego and things will say, well, people shouldn't see the good I do. You know, I should do it all in secret. Well, there is one intent that, that talks about doing in secret, but there is also this idea that let your light shine before men, as Jesus said, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's not so that we get the recognition only as far as God receives recognition from us for what we do. We do want people to see the good we do. We don't want it to all be anonymous. It is to do so that God receives the glory, not so we do, not even so that Memorial Church of Christ for Memorial Church of Christ's own sake receives it, but so that God does and that Memorial is is, is a body of people that reflect that glory back to Christ and back to the Father. So we should be doing good. And we can change the world when we do good, when we help other people in the name of Jesus. You remember a few years ago, we went down to the, to, uh, the Houston Food Bank, and you remember we had, had many congregations from Churches of Christ in Houston that were there together, and we set a record that day for the most food boxed up and put together. Matter of fact, we, so much food was put together, they ran out of food for us to put together. It was incredible that day. Shining your light before men and women so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. That was the whole purpose of what we were doing. So that God receives the glory. So people say, wow, those are hardworking people. Well, they're hardworking because of Jesus, not because of themselves. It's somehow understanding all of that, but sometimes we live such, such uh, anonymous lives that nobody would ever think we were a Christian because they don't know anything about us. That's not what we were intended to be. Sometimes we live lives that look exactly like the pagans. That is not what God called us to be either. God called us to live in a different way than other people. So my question tonight, and we're really not quite finished yet, but my question tonight is, what am I doing to change the world? What am I doing? Some things that we do are pretty small, but they change the world. It may be you talking to your grandchildren and just point, pointing them toward Jesus. Maybe you talking to your kids. I'll never forget the time that we had a four-year-old relative in the back seat and, and, and there was a rainbow. And Barbara said, do you know what the rainbow means? And the kid said, uh, the rain's over. And Barbara's saying, no, that's a promise from God that he'll never flood the earth again. That's one way you change the world, even by those little things that you say. But it's not just that, because we can go beyond that, most of us. And there's so much more we can do with friends and people in our community and programs that we can be involved in that, that, that get us into the community where we can talk about our faith. I think it's interesting in that song, We Are the World, God's talked about twice in that song. Jesus turning stones to bread and the other about how we're God's big family. I hope that same kind of song could be written today and agreed upon to sing and record. I'm not sure it could. But what are we doing to change the world? I wanted to share a little story with you tonight. In fact, you'll remember um, a couple months ago, Barbara and I were gone. We were in, uh, spent some time with her family in Biloxi, Mississippi, and old places she used to go. Mostly the family that we were with were in cemeteries, but we had a great time <laughs> going to those cemeteries. 
But we also spent some time with, with her cousin, maybe a second cousin, several years older than us, and her husband had a wonderful evening, incredible food. They had, they had caught the fish, and they had raised all the vegetables we ate. I mean, it was, it was a wonderful meal. And they are not, let me say this, they are religious people. They're not overly religious people, if you understand what I mean. They believe in God, and they go to church sometimes. They are not members of Churches of Christ. That's important for this story for you to understand. And Barbara's cousin was with some folks that went to another group that also was not Churches of Christ. And she heard these women talking about how frustrated they were about their church. And she said, well, why are you frustrated? They said, well, we don't have any kids. And she said, well, why don't you have any kids? And she said, well, just no kids go to church anymore. Nobody wants to go. And she said, well, I think a lot of kids would want to go. And I go, no. She said, they wanted to have something called a vacation Bible school. <laughs> and which already, you know, most groups have that, and, but she had never heard of it. And so she said, I think we can get some kids. And I'll get kids for you, for your church. And so they said, well, if you could get 25 kids, one woman said, I'll pay for it if you could get 25 kids. She said, okay. So that very day, she went door knocking. And she started inviting people to go. And she would sign them up right there on the list and try to get them to come. And she went back the next Sunday and she said to their next meeting on Sunday afternoon, said, well, I got you 25 kids. They said, seriously? She said, yeah, I just invited people to come. So they decided, well, maybe we could have more kids. What could we do? Now, understand, this is the deep south, okay? So she knew someone that had a Mardi Gras float and knew somebody else, I guess, who had a Mardi Gras float. So they had a Mardi Gras parade for VBS through a neighborhood. <laughs> they threw out flyers and candy to kids off these floats. They had 120-something kids show up at their VBS. They could not believe it. Matter of fact, they were like, how are we going to feed all these kids? I mean, they couldn't believe it. She just stopped doing whatever she could to get them there. Well, she started working with these kids, and these, these kids were rough kids. Christmas time came, and she decided, you know what I'm going to do? I want to make them into a choir, and they'll sing some songs for Christmas. And she went to a religious bookstore and said, well, what are some contemporary Christmas songs I could get them to sing? And so she found some songs, and she would play them, and all the kids would start learning, and they'd bring their friends. And these kids were rough kids. Understand that she had taken to camp one time, and one of the kids at camp uh, had been found with a knife the first day, and they told him, hey, um, we can't have knives. You need to tell your, your campers that you brought on your van that they can't have knives. And so Barbara's cousin's husband said, got all the kids together and said, hey, look, no knives, okay? And just whoever it is, put it in this box and, and, and nothing will be said. Every kid he brought pulled out a knife <laughs> and put in a box. So anyway, so he gets all these kids to be a choir for Christmas, some kind of program she's putting on. So the kids get up and they sing their songs. They invited their teachers to come. They invited others. The little church building was completely packed. They had even the game warden came because he couldn't believe these kids would do something religious. Their teachers came. Their teachers cried. 
And when somebody had made costumes or uniforms or something for them to be in the event, and this person had spent all had been up all night, you know, making these costumes and spent all of her money on it. And so <clears throat> they just kind of announced, hey, we're going to have a love offering that was going to help pay for these costumes. Well, the next day they were thrilled. Everybody hugged them and hugged the kids, and oh, it just seemed like it was a miracle that had happened in that little community in, in southern Mississippi. And so the next morning, Barbara's cousin and her husband got a call from the board of that church. We want you to come down to our meeting. And so they go down knowing, you know, they're going to just tell them this is the most incredible thing ever. And they said, you can't keep any of that money that you collected the other night. We keep that. It's not yours. And we don't want those kids here. Because those aren't the kind of kids that we're trying to reach. And they all went away. Boy, can you imagine? Can you imagine? And so we say we want the world to be a better place, but you better be cleaned up before you get to us. And after you got yourself cleaned up, if you look like us, act like us, have jobs like us, then come here. That's not what makes a better world. What makes a better world is where, when we take people where they are and we say, we want to bring you along. Sometimes we shouldn't even say we want to bring you along. We just walk beside until they realize where they need to be. And let them come to know Jesus. If we are going to make the world a better place, and I think we do a good job of this, but we can just do a better job. Then we've got to realize that the world is in desperate need of help. And we have the good news of Jesus. We have the blessings of Jesus that we can share. And sure enough, the first generation of folks will not look like us or act like us. But they may look like Jesus. And I can tell you the second generation will look more and more like Jesus. That's what we're called to be. How am I making the world a better place, a place more like Christ, what I was called to be. Tonight, maybe you're ready to be baptized into Jesus, or maybe you need prayers tonight here in front of everyone, or maybe you want to write to elders at mcoc.org, and our elders will pray for you. We want God to be first. We want to make the world a better place. Just you and me. Come as we stand and sing.